Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFAN's Baseball Insiders. I'm Sweeney Murdy. Friday, January 14th. Yankees made some news this week with the hiring of Rachel Balkovec as their manager at Class A Tampa. The Yankees' vice president of player development, Kevin Reese, was among the people who spoke at a news conference this week. And I caught up with Kevin on Friday to talk about Rachel's hiring and a few more things within the Yankees' player development situation, including some of their top prospects like Jason Dominguez, Anthony Volpe, and uh, what was a pretty successful year for the Yankees from a player development standpoint 2021 and moving ahead to 2022. Here is my conversation with Kevin Reese. Kevin, the first thing I want to ask you is obviously about the big news this week with Rachel Balkovec being officially named manager of uh, Class A Tampa. Um, What's been the reaction you've received from people around the league over the course of the last several days since the announcement? Uh, The reaction has been overwhelmingly positive, Um, you know, not only from People around the league, some people in similar positions to myself, uh, people that, you know, former players, current players here, as well as uh, some some friends that I have, you know, that that have kids in baseball or specifically daughters um, that that are trying to play baseball or, or play softball and just and just very appreciative, um, you know, and, and excited about watching Rachel, even uh, some Red Sox fans and things like that, that live in the Tampa area that are excited to go cheer on the Tarpons for the first time, uh, to, to root for Rachel. Uh, I'm curious how and why she got on your list of managerial candidates, uh, for this job. Obviously she was pretty impressive in her role as a hitting coach. Um, what about her and what you've seen the last couple of years drew her, drew your attention to her for this role? Um, her, her overall leadership, uh, abilities, you know, the way she carries herself around players and, and the way that players respond to, to her leadership style, you know, obviously in, in the past, mostly in the batting cage, uh, as well as, you know, around the weight room and things that she's done before, um, her broad knowledge of the game, uh, you know, something that, that managers, you want managers to have a little bit of feel for, infield, outfield, defense, you know, the, the things that guys have to do to prepare to play on a given day, all, all of those things, um, you know, led us towards Rachel and, and make her a good candidate in our eyes. You know, I'm, I, you mentioned like the people you talked to and the feedback that you got. I'm, I'm guessing that you paid close attention to how she was received as a hitting coach her first couple of years, because if the players didn't respond to her in that role, it's hard to imagine that you would have thought about her for this role. For sure. Uh, it's it's all about the players and, and, you know, us trying to help them get better. And and without positive feedback from those guys, I don't think this would have been a discussion as it wouldn't be with with any other staff member to, you know, to put them in that type of a role. We're looking for feedback. And that doesn't necessarily mean like it's always love and and 
smiles and rainbows or anything like that. But, but I think that players want to get better. They want help. They want to, they gravitate towards people that can help them. And, and she's no different than some of the other coaches that we've, that we've promoted or made managers over the years and that players feel that she can help. You mentioned some of the like attributes of her overall baseball acumen, but uh, are some of the tactical aspects of being a manager a little less important than they used to be just because there are so many people that are part of this mix anymore. It's not just one guy and, or one person uh, I should say, and you know, this is how they do it. You've got a larger staff, you've got large, uh, we were providing a lot of information. You got a larger staff of coaches at every level. Um, so because there are so many different voices involved, are the tactical aspects of managing just maybe stressed a little bit less than they used to be when you're trying to fill out the position? Um, on the, on the in-game strategy side, especially in the minor leagues, I would say yes. Um, you know, we, we want guys to, to be exposed to different stress levels and opportunities and, and game situations and things like that, which, which, you know, over the course of 140 plus game minor league season are going to come around naturally. Um, you know, again, the game strategy piece of, you know, teams don't bunt nearly as much as they used to. Um, you know, a lot of times in the minor leagues, there, there's pitch counts and things like that, that, that change how you're going to use pitchers and, and the pitching coaches often, you know, have a, have, a, have a larger say in that than they used to in the past and, and run a lot of that side of the game. So, so it, it is a different job. I don't think it has, I don't think that means it's gotten any easier uh, because of the, the number of people, uh, the rosters that have expanded for players. So, so dealing with those situations when a guy's not getting as much playing time as he used to or moving them down in the order that's always still going to be a challenge. Uh, the number of staff members, as you mentioned, going to be a challenge as well, because, you know, you're, you're trying to put everybody in their best place to succeed. And I think that's a big, big role of the manager at an affiliate is, you know, allowing the strength coach to do his thing and, and his or her thing and, and stepping up when they need to and, and having tough conversations and, and supporting those, those conversations as they go on. Same thing with a hitting coach, a pitching coach, a, a mental conditioning coach, um, or, or a, an analyst or advanced, uh, we, we call them advanced scouting analysts that we have at each affiliate, you know, helping them do their job as well. One of the things you mentioned was just how the players really just want somebody who's going to help them get better. And it seems more and more people are realizing that it doesn't matter what their background is. Once the player recognizes this person can and is helping them, then, then they're in. Um, you played at a time when it was about big league experience. You know, the, the managers you played for when you were in the Yankee system, you, know, you played for Luis Soho, you played for baseball lifer Stump Merrill, you played for Bucky Dent, you played for Joe Torre in the big leagues. Um, you know, there's a lot of experience there, less so in the staff that you've hired. Uh, and so, and like, even in just very more recent years, the uh, number of people with major league playing experience is there's not a significant amount of major league playing experience with the staff that you have. So is that less valued? Is there something else that connects these guys? Is it simply about the leadership aspects that you're talking about? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's, it's any less valued. I think it's, it's just taking into consideration the whole, the whole peak, the whole pie, you know, um, leadership, teaching, uh, just the styles of coaching have changed a lot over the last few years. And, and, you know, there, there was a ton that I was able to learn from those managers that you mentioned. Uh, and, and I think that 
some of it's anecdotal, some of it's, you know, their, their firsthand experience, some of it's what they've seen. And I, I just, if you, if you look back at, you know, to me 15 years ago, what was available on the internet or what was available? I mean, listen to the podcast, the access that you guys are able to, to provide to a fan or to a coach. Um, I think you get a lot of those experiences and hear those stories that that just wasn't available 20 years ago. Um, you know, you might've heard uh, a story that someone else told you that they heard from somebody else from Ricky Henderson or, you know, something like that. But, but now you can listen to Ricky Henderson tell that story when he gets onto an interview. And, and I mean, certainly there were articles written in newspapers and things like that, but this stuff gets shared so much more now, um, you know, understanding some of the battles and struggles that somebody had and how, you know, what you could learn from that experience. I think that more people have access to it at the end of the day and are able to learn from that, even though they weren't the ones in the big leagues at that time. So I, I don't think I'm, you know, we're discounting that, uh, that experience, but there are other factors. And, and I think that the ability to teach the ability to connect was always a big deal, but we've learned that people that didn't necessarily play in the big leagues or even play baseball or play at a high level are able to do it. And I mean, my, my best hitting coach coming through was Kevin Long who didn't play in the big leagues really, you know, like he didn't have a huge big league career. So um, I, I think that it's, it's a little bit new because you're seeing more of it, but it's not necessarily new to the game. And, and because like, this is part of what you're talking about are the personal coaches that everybody employs, are they a little bit more embraced now or is, are, are some of them getting in the way sometimes of the overall message you have as an organization? Um, how does that work with what the players are, are doing, especially now when you're in a lockout situation, they're kind of on their own anyway, but most times in the winter, they have some of their own guys around them to begin with. We, we try to embrace it. Um, it. It's all a piece of the puzzle and, and, you know, players, players are going to trust the people that they're around. And in some cases, um, you know, they're around really good people. In some cases, they're, they're, you know, confined to a very small area or, or pool of people that they can work with. And, and there's certainly been um, outside coaches and hitting coaches, pitching coaches that have helped a ton. I mean, that's part of why, uh, you know, we gravitated towards a few of those coaches that, that were working at private facilities over the years. And, and um, we, we don't, I wish we had players here in Tampa year round and, you know, that, that could work out of our facility all the time and they didn't have to go anywhere. And, um, and we could, we could work with them, but, but again, we, we've gained from some of the different people we've learned from some of those people. We try to have dialogue with those people and, you know, hopefully uh, the end result is the players getting better. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's talk about a couple of your, your players in your system. that, And I know we can't discuss guys on the 40-man roster, so it, leaves a, it still leaves a good chunk of your prospects here that I think fans uh, have some excitement about. Uh, Jason Dominguez is always one of the first guys that people ask you about, right? And for good reason. Listen, his Instagram looks awesome. I think we all agree to that. Um, last year, how did he look on the field? What were the areas that he struggled with and how did you work to get him through that? Well, first it's, it's, it's easy to forget when you see him that, that he was 18 years old, you know, last year. Um, there aren't too many 18 year olds that are playing at a full season affiliate and he ended up playing at a full season affiliate. I, I used to joke around. I, I follow the NBA a little bit, but we used to go to some Clippers games back when, uh, when in my playing days, and there'd be a guy. It's like, why is this guy in the NBA? You know, and like, show me something, right? And you know, two minutes into the game, you see the guy steal, go down, hit a three, or you know, throw down a dunk. You're like, okay, that that that's why he's in the NBA. And, <laughs> and I think when you see, you know, you hear this hype about Jason, you go to any given game, you are going to realize very quickly why there is hype around Jason. He he runs really fast. He's super physical. Uh, he hits the ball really hard. Uh, he throws well. He, he does all of the little things that you want. And I think that the difference between really good, you know, long-term big league players and those who aren't are, is often the consistency piece. And, uh, you know, there have been a few just otherworldly people that have gone up at age 18, 19 into the big leagues and had a big impact. Those are few and far between. It's, it's really tough to do. I don't think that the uh, the pandemic helped him out a ton, but but when you watch him play, you know it, it it looks different, it sounds different, and you know on any given night he will show you that. All right, how about Anthony Volpe? Um, one of the things you just said was that the pandemic didn't help out Jason Dominguez very much. It, it seems it kind of did maybe for Anthony Volpe because of the coaches that he was able to work with and what he was able to do uh, physically and with his swing, because it really paid off in a tremendous 2021 season for him. Um, am I wrong in, in thinking that, that the year away, like he was able to do something that he might not have otherwise been able to do? Um, I think that the biggest advantage for Anthony, who's like on the, on the baseball skill side, he came in, you know, out of high school with, with a ton of baseball skills. And, and you talk about how physical Jason was at age 18. Anthony was, you know, he looked a little more like an 18 year old at that time. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, for a lot of people that took advantage of that downtime away from games, they were able to get in the weight room and get stronger. And, you know, I think Dylan Lawson did a good job communicating with Jason Lefkowitz, who Anthony was working with. Uh, they had some dialogue, you know, worked on kind of their, their 
training environment and, and some of the methods and things like that. And, and Anthony worked his tail off to come back uh, in better shape and, you know, made some improvements with, with what he was doing on the field on both sides of the ball. So I, I do think, you know, it was a great, there, it's a little bit of an equalizer. Like it, it's, I think it's hard to not be a, a good worker in, in a baseball environment when everybody's got to show up at a certain time and everybody's, you know, stretching at the same time, gets basically equal amount of swings to work on and equal amount of time in the weight room and things like that. But when nothing was structured during that, you know, that COVID year, uh, the, the hard workers, the guys that were dedicated to their nutrition and to their weight room routines, those ones really stood out coming back in 2021 for us. And, uh, you know, I think we're fortunate that both our international and amateur scouting departments put a put a pretty big uh, vesting interest in makeup and figuring out who has good makeup. And, and that really helped us to hit the ground running in 2021 after um, after that downtime. You know, I, I think that was one of the factors, but uh, I want to get your full take on this because this is one of the things that I mentioned to fans at the end of last season. Volpe was one of a number of minor league players that had outstanding seasons on paper, like on the field, but also on paper. You can look at it and say, you look at the numbers and say, wow, this guy had a great year. And for a lot, you know, for the last 10 years or so, that hasn't always been the case with some of the Yankees top prospects, because they're always viewed from the scouting perspective and, and very toolsy. And even some of the guys like who are successful, like Judge or Sanchez or anybody else who reached the big leagues, they didn't have the kind of minor league seasons that some of these guys had just monster numbers. Um, and I know some of these guys you can't specifically talk about, but, you know, I will mention their names. It's, you know, Anthony Volpe, Oswald Peraza, Everson Pereira. Um, these are guys that seem to really um, kick up their games from an offensive perspective with the numbers they were pulled up. Oswald, uh, Oswald Cabrera is another one. Um, what, what happened this year? Is this more about kind of what you just talked about with Volpe? and maybe um, a credit to the coaching staff and the programs that you've put into place. Why were there so many good statistical seasons across the board with some of your higher prospects last year? I, I think that if, if you get to the root of it, you know, I, I do think it's, it's credit to our coaches. Um, again, I mean, maybe credit to the scouts again, but also credit to the coaches. Uh, we, we brought in Dylan Lawson, um, a few years back to, to oversee our minor league hitting department. Uh, we brought in Sam Breen to be our director of pitching. And, and there were some changes, you know, that, you know, both with the, the faces that, that were around and also with the, the training methods, the, the communication with the players, um, the training tools. I mean, th there was just a lot of changes. I think that anybody who came and watched, whether it was spring training or a bullpen session or, or whatever for, you know, in 2015 and then watched again in 2021, it looked a lot different. And um, so I, I give that, I give them a lot of credit. Uh, there was the everyday batting practice, the everyday routines, the, the feedback post game, the amount of information that, that we are now exposing our players to who, you know, we, we've talked about a little bit are just the players are smarter than they were when I was playing. Um, and, and so I think we we've exposed them to a lot of different things. And and the educated guess was that this would work. And and I think it really it really showed up in 2021. And and I'm not even you know mentioning the the defensive side where Travis Chapman, who's now our, our major league first base coach and, and infield coach, did a great job. And 
and our, uh, you know, Pat McMahon oversaw our outfield department and we had some real strides made in the outfield department. We stole a ton of bases and we didn't get caught very much. And, and Matt Talarico deserves a lot of credit there. And, and behind the plate, we did a great job with our, you know, the way we value catchers and, and Aaron Gershenfeld did a great job there. So um, credit's all there for sure. All right, a couple of more guys I want to ask you about here. Uh, one is Alexander Vargas, and he's a pretty young player too. And I'm curious here because he's, you know, there's a lot of shortstop prospects and middle of the diamond type of prospects that you have that we talk about. And he's one of the lower level guys who had him, you know, he stood out last year. Um, what stood out to you about the season he had? And what can you tell fans about kind of where he is as a young player in your system? He's he, Alexander's super athletic. Um, he can run. He can field. He's very smooth in the field. Like, again, another guy that when you watch him, just kind of his actions and how he goes about it, not as polished right now as Anthony Volpe is, but he'll make he'll make that outstanding play in the hole. And, you know, from a knee slide, from a knee, get up and spin around. And you're like, whoa, how did he do that? And this guy was, you know, 19 years old doing it last year. We need him to put on, put on a little bit more weight, get a little bit stronger. Uh, you know, hits from both sides of the plate, shows a little more pop than you would expect from a guy his size, but uh, he's, he's very exciting and, and can do a little bit of everything. I'm curious what you tell these guys specifically um, in your role when you think about Volpe or Vargas or Peraza or guys who are shortstops, right? And they're young players. And listen, they're not immune to this, right? They all have their phones. They're all going to see that at any moment, there's a possibility the Yankees could sign a shortstop to a 10-year contract, right? So what do you tell these guys about their futures as they're trying not to overthink this and still trying to be the best they can be and hope they're going to be Yankees one day? Uh, I think that's probably an easier conversation for me than it is for a lot of people because I sat behind Bernie Williams and Bobby Abreu and Johnny Damon and Hideki Matsui and, you know, all-star after all-star. Um, and so I, I can relate, you know, and it's, it's a, uh, it's a tough place to be, but I think you look at the past and you look at the guys who have come up through the system and, and whether they play for the Yankees or not, I think most of these guys just want to play in the big leagues and, and have, nice careers. And I think primarily they want to play for the Yankees and, and we've had some guys push through and do that. And, and we've also made a lot of trades. We had a number of guys that we haven't talked about that, uh, you know, that had really good seasons and, and then we end up trading them at the trade deadline. And, and I think that's always a good opportunity for them to go somewhere else and, and do great things as well. Um, as far as like the shortstops go, there's plenty of guys that played primary shortstop, you know, throughout college, throughout their early minor leagues career ends up, end up to be good third baseman or second baseman or even shortstops. Uh, I'm sorry, center fielders in some cases. So I, I think that we try to balance it all out. We try to put them in the best place to succeed, whether it's, you know, what level we put them at or what positions we play at. We've, we've started kind of having guys be a little bit more versatile um, with the amount of shifting that happens in the big leagues and, and, you know, saying, Hey, like, a lot of guys play on the left side of the diamond and then they end up playing on the right side of the diamond. And, and um, you know, we'll see how that uh, all the shifting stuff shakes out over time, but um, it, it's usually not too tough of a conversation because these guys want to get better and they want to be put in a good place to succeed as long as they're playing every day. Now, when they're not, it, it gets a little bit tougher. I, I forgot to mention, I should have mentioned Trey Sweeney, who should be my favorite player in your system uh, for obvious <laughs> reasons. Um, I 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. I want to ask you a little bit about the catching situation because it's a, you know, this will, this will have a direct impact at the big league level. It's a, this is a pretty significant year. Gary Sanchez has one more year before he's eligible for free agency. And there's not a lot of upper level catching depth within the Yankees organization right now. So the guys like Austin Wells, Josh Bro, Anthony Sigler, Antonio Gomez, some of them have been in your system longer than others. Uh, some of them still have higher ceilings than others, but I feel like it's going to be an important year for them when they get going to see how they progress, because it will have some sort of an impact on how the Yankees handle their catching situation at the big league level, say 10 or 11 months from now. Uh, how do you feel about those guys and where they are and what your catching, catching situation is? Yeah. I mean, it's a good problem to have. Um, you know, they all have different levels of, of abilities and, and excitement surrounding them. Josh had a really nice year, you know, starting off in Hudson Valley and then going up to Somerset. Um, did a great job kind of progressing with our with our style of catching and, and doing a nice job handling the pitchers, which is the staff that they had there was pretty tough uh, to handle. And, and he did a really good job. Um Again, it, you know, it's a, it's a good problem to have, and I think they're going to fight it out. There's a really good competitive environment that they have amongst each other, uh, and and some guys are a little better defensively. Some guys are a little better offensively. But I like to just kind of put them in a room and let them duke it out by, by putting up numbers and, uh, and putting pressure on us to make tough decisions as we, as we go through the season. What do you mean when you say our style of catching? Uh, m- more like – are, you know, we do some of the knee down stances. We, we focus, you know, pretty heavily. I think it's well documented on, on receiving and, and things like that. When, um, you know, we've, we've bounced around with a couple of different catching coordinators over the last few years. And, and so there's, there's little, you know, nuances to the position that, um, that Aaron Gershenfeld and Tanner Swanson are, are putting in place now that, that are different than they were two or three years ago. So some of the guys that like a Josh bro, who was here a few years, has kind of gone through a little bit of a, of a transition with, with how he's, uh, you know, setting up and things like that. And these guys, you know, um, 
are, are you comfortable with just the depth you have at that position right now? Because as I said, I know it's not at the higher levels, you're, you're probably lacking some of the depth. You need to go maybe cherry pick some, uh, some minor league free agents, that kind of thing, and get some more experienced guys. But um, do you think these guys are set up well to have, have themselves at least a, a chance to show you what they can do in 2021 or 22? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think there's a lot of competition for, for those spots. There's, you know, and even some of the guys that we, we didn't mention, Carlos Narvaez and uh, Rice, who we just drafted in this, this past draft, they, they're, they're bringing some levels of excitement too from our staff and our evaluators. And um, I think that that's healthy and it's a, it's a position that, there's just there's not a ton of catching depth throughout the game. So the fact that we, you know, you ran off four names and, and I got a couple more in my back pocket uh, shows that, that we've done a nice job on the acquisition side. All right. And one more thing about pitchers kind of in general right now. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, when I you know talk to people about where the Yankees are set up, there's there's a lot of options already before you even think about if you need to go out and improve from the outside once business gets back underway. Uh, I think that speaks well to the depth in the organization. But one of the things that more of a kind of a, a general type of thing, how the organization feels, is there any, we, we heard, we hear a lot about the gas station, right? And there's a lot of relievers who come up and who are firing high velocity and velocity is obviously very important uh, to the way the game is played right now. But is there anything specific in training pitchers to go deeper? Is there, you know, because that's something that I hear from fans a lot who just lament this parade of pitchers sometimes. Um, and I know it's hard for hitters too. I guess, I guess, you know, looking from the other perspective, it's hard to hit when you got to face four or five different guys. But is there anything specifically to, um, to get your pitchers deeper into the pitch count, getting them to train to the point where they're able to go beyond 100 how does that work in the organization? Well, we, we, we do pretty slow kind of steady build up to get them, their bodies able to handle, you know, heavier workloads and pitch counts on a, on a given outing. But I think, I think that the, the, the biggest difference about, you know, the, the, well, there's a couple, but the difference between 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when guys were throwing CGs and, and throwing 200 plus innings regularly, like the relievers in today's game are really good. You know, yeah. it used to be, Hey, let's get into the bullpen, right? And and I mean, I started scouting in two thousand eight, and if you had a guy that, that was throwing ninety five out of the pen in a in a minor league team, you were like, hey, we got to watch this guy. Yeah. Now you look around, and if if you're not throwing ninety five, you probably have ridiculous movement, or you throw sidearm. I mean, almost every guy that comes out of the pen, and in the big leagues, it's like it's more like ninety seven to a hundred. And you know, you could say you want to get into the pen all you want, but usually there's I mean, guys with ridiculous strikeout rates and low ERAs and all those things. So, I, I mean, the, the, I don't think it's a matter of play, pitchers aren't prepared to go that long. I think it's a little bit, well, one, the, the, the relievers are better. And so coaches are, and managers are more reliant on them. But, but two, you know, I mean, you, you don't it, we know the diminishing returns third time through the order. We know some of those different things about these guys that, mm -hmm. that, uh, you're, you're trying to maximize each inning that you throw out there as a, as a manager. And so we have some, we have Ken Waldachuk, Hayden Wesneski. I mean, these guys can go deep into games. They can, they can do whatever you want, but when you got a couple guys that, you know, strike out 16 per nine behind them, it's not, you know, it's like, Hey, let's just get to the finish line. You know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, one other thing for you that um, I'm kind of curious about um, one of the things that I, 
you hear a lot about is like how, you know, you're talking about kids that are 18, 19, some of the, the kids that you're bringing internationally are 16. And there isn't as much attention shined on this, but, you know, you do have programs to help these guys uh, kind of just, you know, grow and remember that they're still like kind of school age kids. So you have programs for them. The, the Spanish speaking kids, you, you help teach them English and, and go beyond that and, um, and get some schooling for them. I'm wondering if you can just tell people a little bit more about those kinds of programs and other things. One of the things I was kind of curious about, do you kind of teach them what it's like uh, about being a Yankee? I mean, are there classes that kind of say, hey, listen, this is Babe Ruth. This is Mickey Mantle. This is Joe DiMaggio. Learn a little about a little something about the company that you are now working for. Um, how involved do you get in all those things? So we have a we have a great team, and, and I'll say that this goes back, you know, to Mark Newman and and Gary Denbo, and you know, kind of helping along the way with building out the education department. Um, Joe Perez heads our education department, and we have a woman named Melissa Hernandez in the DR who who does a great job as well, and and um, Andrew Wright is, is currently our uh, director of DR baseball operations. He has put in some programs in place down there that are, that are doing exactly what you described, whether it's, um, you know, some of the Yankee type legend information and education and, and things like that. Um, they also have programs, whether, it, I mean, trying to prepare guys to go jump from Latin America to the U S whether it's how to order food, how to set up a bank account, you know, what, what it means to have, you know, to take care of your credit and, and, you know, keep in good standing with, with your banks and, and things like that. Um, so that there's a lot of different life skills that they work on as part of, I mean, along with the English program to, to prepare, prepare guys to come here because, you know, back in the day, and I think this is another area where, you know, the internet has helped like, Hey, you, you can watch movies and you can see what the U S is like, and you can watch documentaries or, or things like that. And just have a little more of a glimpse into, what things are like once you get here than, than 20 years ago when I broke in or uh, 22 now I'm getting old, but um, so yeah, we just try to do everything we can to prepare them for, you know, some of the challenges that they're, they're going to face when they show up here in the U S my thanks again to Kevin Reese. You can subscribe to WFAN's baseball insiders at Odyssey at Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, do the subscribe and review and all that jazz. And until next time I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.